0: Hello, I'm Ashley Wilson, Assistant Director for Empowered 21, and uh, so honored that you join us today for the Empowered 21 Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'm here in our studios with a great friend of mine, Pastor Paul Uh Paul, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, excited about what you're going to share as we talk over the next few minutes. Uh, Paul pastors House on the Rock in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, He also gives leadership to Empowered 21 Africa. He's the founder and director of the Experience Lagos, which is arguably the largest gospel music event on the planet. Uh, Paul's a great leader, great theologian, incredible preacher. Uh, And so I know you're going to be blessed uh, as you listen to him today and uh, as we talk a little bit about what it means to be in ministry and in leadership, what are some of the challenges? Uh, that that he's faced and overcome, uh, and what God's doing in his life and ministry right now. So, Paul, again, welcome. So glad to have you. Uh, and uh, let me just start out by asking today, um, how did you come to faith in Christ and how did, you, how did you get into ministry?
1: Well, first of all, it is great to be at Oral Roberts University and here at the home of Empire 21. And it's just a delight to be in fellowship and company with yourself, your dad, and parts of the team. It's very enriching, very empowering, very enlightening. And it's just great to be in fellowship. Um, I, I went to the University of Miami uh, when I was 16 years old. I came out of a very, very regimented school okay. in England. Um, and arriving at the University of Miami campus was exhilarating. And it proposed adventure to me. And after one semester at school, I delved into the adventure and found myself at the bottom of the cesspit mm. of and substance this abuse. And
0: the 1980s, right? This is the 80s, nineteen eighty. In Miami, which was crazy.
1: It was absolutely <laughs> crazy. And I became addicted to two substances uh, on, on the C part of the list, I think. And um, that drove me into a hole for about three and a half years. Yeah. And it was in the midst of that hole that I was at home in Lagos. Um, and the proposition of Jesus Christ as savior to me, I grew up in church in, in Lagos, it was a traditional church. The proposition of Jesus, it riveted my heart. One night at a friend's house when his mother shared Jesus with me and I couldn't think of anything else other than this rescue mission that had me in its focus. Yeah. And it was invisible to the eyes, imperceptible to my five senses. And the following morning, a gentleman who had been praying for me and my father uh, for a whole year showed up at the guest chalet in my father's compound uh, government quarters and said last night um, I Had a deep sense that your soul was now available for Christ to save Wow and it started a six-hour conversation in which I got born again uh, I, I met with the creator of the universe yeah. uh, and it was nothing in the five sense realm but an an incredible encounter wasn't in church. And uh, you couldn't pry me away from my Bible for the next several years. Wow. And uh, it's just been a growth uh, spectrum that has opened my eyes, opened my mind. Um, It plugged me into a place of prayer Mm -hmm. um, and developed a great savor for the presence of God. Yeah. Um, And with time, because of the sudden transformation, uh, a lot of people followed behind me because they saw the dramatic change. And for people who were as deep in sin as I was, the dramatic change was necessary because yeah. uh, it literally yanked me out. I was snatched out of, of the grip of hell. And, and that in itself became ministry. And uh, I plugged into a Great Assemblies of God church in Miami okay. and as moved through leadership uh, to the point where I was the head usher Uh, and then ultimately a leader in intercession. And my whole life was defined by intercession and just standing in the gap for everything and everyone before the Lord's throne. Um, And that gave me a lot more courage and boldness than I could find and disposed me to serving. Um, And then eventually I had a great call to go back home to Nigeria. I wasn't sure what was awaiting me, whether I would continue in my career as an architect, um, or whether I would go into ministry, but I felt the tug. And on the plane back to Lagos, on the 25th of January, 1990, which was my birthday, Mm -hmm. I felt the hefty anointing of the Spirit of God come upon me in waves. It was like what David said, "Uh, your waves have gone over me, deep calls unto deep. Um, And um, I said to the Lord, if you will keep this anointing, what I sense right now at 32,000 feet, if you keep this on my life, I will go wherever you send me to I'll do whatever you want me to and I will serve however you want me to and I got home to Lagos within 24 hours I was in full-time ministry. Yeah uh, serving in a local church who had invited me to come by and the pastor had Gotten a witness in his heart that um, I would serve in his ministry and I served for under a year um, in that space and then um, I was asked by another leader to take on his UK church. Uh, and for three years, I served there and took a church from 17 people to ooh, about four or 500 ardent wor- worshippers, intense intercessors. And that was really cutting my teeth. In the process, I went to the In- International Bible Institute of London, part of Kensington Temple, great learning curve. And eventually at the end of three years, which was uh, the beginning of uh, 1993, or sorry, beginning of 1994, end of 1993, I went back to Lagos to get my papers, to go back to England to continue pastoring London's Happy Church, uh, part of Christian Action Faith Ministry, and the papers just did not go through, and I bound, I loosed, I did everything <laughs> I knew how to do, uh, fasted, prayed, and I didn't get anything from God yeah. until I said, Father, what is your will for me? And he said, I've given you a mighty church in Lagos. And I thought I was going to be hired. Um, And I said, where is the church? And I felt the hand of God on my heart. And I instantly knew that the church would be born out of the inside of Christ in me. Wow. Um, And the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, And the way I would really define ministry is service. Jesus said, dealing with egos and dealing with The thing in man that wants to be first or the greatest is he that will be first amongst you let him become your servant and he that will be greatest amongst you let him become slave of all Uh, summoning us to a place of recognizing that we are gifted by God in us God in us uh, to serve a generation and the generation is diverse It comes in all types of hues, colors, shapes, um, dispositions, and honing our giftedness uh, into a space where we can serve different types of cultures, different types of people. What you guys do here remarkably well uh, became somewhat of a passion. Um, And just pushing his name, revealing him to mankind, um, helping people to become the best version of themselves uh, in God's definition. Uh, that's that's really been my heartbeat. So I'm I'm fascinated by the story. You're you're plucked
0: from really the depths of sin, uh, that life in Miami as a, as a young adult, um, and then you go into really a, a period of preparation. Clearly, is what the Lord was doing in your life over a number of years, different ministry assignments, growing quickly. What were a couple of things that you can point to that that you learned or that you feel like the Lord put in you in that season of preparation, when you were serving as an usher, when you were serving as an intercessor in your local church? What are some things you think that the Lord put in you during that season?
1: I think prayer was one of the essential um, virtues. Uh, Being desperately needy of Him. um, The only person I could really trust at the time, uh, coming from a life where I had felt failure and understood it as cul-de-sac and knowing that he he had a purpose for my life it connected me to him where i didn't want to be a fish outside of water and prayer was my access to the water um so his presence became most meaningful to me and i hated to wake up from my bed without um finding or uh uh, a consciousness that i'm in the presence of god um in his presence, I felt a strength, a sense of purpose, a sense of I'm in a safe place, a sense of here we can fulfill God's purpose. Um, so learning to appreciate his presence and to consider his presence above everything else, above everything else. If God is not present, um, what can we be? What can we do? Uh, how useful are we? Um, so his presence became quintessential to me and I, I we. We prayed without trying to pray 12 hours a day. I wish I could do that today, <laughs> but we'd end up praying 12 hours a day uh, without, without punching a clock. And just absolutely enjoyed it. Half of the time is spent praying in the understanding, the other half praying in the spirit, that'd be one. Um, two, in the process of praying, he began to give us a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't praying by myself. It was often in groups, but also sometimes all by oneself but we enjoyed to pray together, and it sort of creates a bonded, bonded relationship. And out of that emerged a sense of purpose, where we began begun to understand purpose. Um, and when I found myself in limbo, not knowing whether I was going back to the UK or whether I was going to settle in Lagos, um, all I did was pray, I didn't know anything else to do. It was my safe place, it was my most happy place, it was my comfortable place. In his presence there's the fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And and there he downloaded the whole blueprint for for House on the Rock. And um, one great friend of mine said to me, Paul, build your own stage. And uh, Because I I would go to meetings and I'd say, wow, I I would like to do this, I'd like to do that. And when he spoke that word to me, it gave me a sense that I put a builder spirit in you and I want you to build and build according to the pattern that I give you and that I have given you. Um, And so we built uh, without really learning from too many others on the outside. And it gave us a a good sense of recognition. And we've never believed ourselves. We've never believed that, because we really didn't see much else until much later in the day. And um, then before long, um, recognition came to wear uh, umbrella bodies for Pentecost and uh, the charismatic movement in Nigeria started to call for us to participate in leadership. Um, and I always enjoyed serving the leaders that led us and created space for the Pentecostal and charismatic movement in, in Africa, being that I had come out of the traditional church, which was you know generational in my family line for four, four generations or so. And uh, what that did for me was it helped me to recognize that in every human being there's a potential for leadership in every born-again human being there's a potential for leadership in the faith and in the knowledge of christ and his purpose and it challenged me to begin to discover the purpose of of one's gifting and, and to put that gift to service that it wasn't meant to be something we sit on for self-gain or self-aggrandizement, but to serve a generation. And Africa demands for leadership. It demands for gifted people because it's in, it's in such a terrible plight, uh, socio-economically, politically, uh, uh, industrially, Africa has major issues. Um, and the cry for leadership is it's a loud trumpet that shouts at you at the moment you come through our borders, almost anywhere in Africa.
0: I wanna, I wanna come back to that just a second, but I wanna bring out a little bit, something that you said that really caught my ear. Um, and that was that, that uh, almost a sense of authenticity that, that as you were developing House on the Rock, it was a strong sense that God didn't want you to copy other patterns, but to develop the blueprint he had already put inside of you. I think for a lot of young leaders, there's a lot of temptation um, to just photocopy what other people are doing. Talk a little bit about the importance of of digging into what's authentically been put on the inside of you as a
1: leader. I I think there's a time and space for learning from others, and I think it's a continual process, um, but not at the expense of understanding that what God put in you as an individual uh, cannot be done better than you and nobody can beat you at that. Um, and so we learn from others, but ultimately, we must discover the treasure in the earthen vessel. And we often won't come to that recognition until we get a good grasp of 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 and 7 which says, God who commanded the light to shine in the darkness uh, has commanded that same light of this gospel to shine in our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. And then the next verse, he says in verse seven, that the ex- we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. If we're gonna touch the excellency of his power that is of God and not of us, we have to have something like Moses' experience. Moses said, God, I want to know you. God, I really want to know you. He's done mighty things in Moses' world, uh, feats of deliverance for a whole nation. And yet Moses says, God, I don't wanna feel like Charlie's angels. We hear you but we never see you, Charlie. Yeah. And um, Moses gets past and says, show me your glory. God says, all right, there's a cleft in the rock. It's made to your specifics. Um, I'm gonna put you in there and I'm gonna walk past you. I can't let you see my frontal glory, but I'll let you see my red glory. I'll cover your eyes, your five senses with my hand, and uh, I will proclaim the goodness of the Lord before you. And uh, when I've done that, I'll course, all of my goodness to pass before you, and then I'll walk on and I'll remove my hands from your eyes. And Moses comes out of that experience and he sees God's back parts. And he starts writing, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness is upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God brooded upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. And Moses is immediately in that experience, transported to creation. And he sees the earth as barren, void, empty and covered with darkness but the earth was not barren void and empty it was loaded but moses couldn't see the loading because it was covered in its depths and on its surface by darkness until god spoke and said light be mm-hmm. and all of a sudden all of what looked like barrenness in the ensuing few days moses sees creation emerge from the planet yeah and this is the metaphor yeah for authenticity, that God has what he put in you and that's what he wants to bring out of you to give to the world in a unique way that is properly and powerfully unique to you as his creation for a generation, for a purpose and for a time. But it all happens in the face of Jesus Christ as the same God who commanded the light to shine at the beginning, who commands the light to shine at your beginning, because you are also a planet that revolves around our solar, who is Jesus Christ. So, and that opens up what's authentically you that nobody else can own better than you. They can learn from you, they can imitate you, but they can't be better than you at doing that. And so it's best to do you. And it takes a while to get there because we learn like little children to mimic our parents. You sound like your dad, but there's an authenticity to what God put in you that's very different from your dad. In fact, what we say to kids, past us is, if your dad goes west, go east, but follow him west for a while and then make your sharp turn.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's really great. Spoke to me personally.
1: I wasn't meaning uh, to. <laughs> no, but
0: it's great. But thank you. Um, and uh, I want to come back to that in just a second and pray into that for, I think, a lot of the young leaders who are watching us today. Uh, but you are in a position of, of, of authority and leadership and, and see a lot of what God is doing in Africa, which is amazing. I mean, the, the explosive growth of Christianity in the last 50 years is unprecedented in history, what's happened in Africa. But talk to me a little bit about what do you think the main challenge is for the church in Africa today?
1: The church has created converts, but not disciples. So it has enormous width, but little depth. And like we were talking over, over at lunch, um, the key thing needed for Africa is an authentic experience with Jesus Christ that becomes an ensuing relationship that affords the believer discipleship through a an installed relationship with Jesus Christ that's progressive where he has teachers, but Christ is his chief teacher whom you check everything out with uh, like the Berean uh, Christians did. Um, And so what we want to see is the church not becoming the fiefdom of spiritual leaders, but becoming um, the citizenry of God's kingdom, on earth by God's kingdom, simply God's kingdom in men's heart. Paul defined the kingdom for us. He said, it's not in meat and drink, but it's in righteousness, peace and joy. He said, it's not in word or rhetoric, but it's in a lifestyle that Im- imbues God's power for service um, for servicing a generation. And so Africa will get better as long as we have people who have an experience with Christ, who informs a pervasive lifestyle, a culture of righteousness, which exalts a nation, peace where we have security in the lands um, and joy where we can be happy because of happenings and joyful because of Christ on the inside and where we're not merely paying lip service to what we believe, but where it's the real evidence of God's power at work with man to give him peace and goodwill on earth so that we too can become productive, industrialize as nations and people groups and build nations that we can be proud of. And it happens as a byproduct to a walk with God. That's a family thing, a, a societal thing, a civilizational thing. And we look for that in Africa because a lot of the African has to get better. She can't continue to be exploited by the Western nations. Uh, we must come to a place of equity and equality. And it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take understanding that Western civilization was a product of Christianity, um, and um, the West now has the principle, and still has the prince. But but Africa has the prince, yeah. but she doesn't have the principle. Yeah. And we want to see the principle come to play, where we believe in savings, investment, productivity, industrialization, equity, justice, um, without without. True justice, there can be no peace. Peace is not the absence of, of tension, but it's the presence of justice, and righteousness essentially is God's justice at work.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I wanna take a second and give you the opportunity to pray for uh, the leaders who may be watching us today, um, uh, especially the younger leaders, we've talked about that. I, I do think we have a number of young leaders from around the world that are watching us today, so.
1: Well, before we do this, Yeah. Um, Purpose is essential to leadership in in Africa and purpose is born out of a sense of vision. The mind of man opens up to God's purpose and plans in the place of prayer, study, where we see clearly what the future can be Um, and sometimes that's stimulated by going elsewhere and seeing what God has done with man. It becomes advertorial uh, for us in in our own space, Um, not to mimic what is what obtains elsewhere, but to learn from it. And the key thing I would really want to pray about for leaders Mm -hmm. um, in Africa um, and the role they will play in the world, because Africans have a passion. We've always been spiritual. Long before Christianity came, we were very spiritual about our deities and our gods um, until Christ came. And we've transferred that passion. That's why everywhere you go, you find African Christians, they're prayerful. And so we really wanna pray that we won't stop at prayerfulness, but we'll garner a vision from God. The eagle sees for five miles. It has eyelids, but they're translucent. So it still sees for five miles, even when its eyes are closed. Wow. Um, The lion is, its real power is not its speed, that's the cheetah's asset. It's not, it's, it's not flight, that's the eagle's asset. Uh, the lion's power is its courage and its roar. What's our weapon? The lion will kill me. The eagle will outfly me. The cheetah will outrun me. But our weapon is our mind. I can watch the eagle and learn how to build a 380 Airbus. I can watch the cheetah and build a Bugatti motorcycle that will outrun the cheetah. I can, I can look at the lion and I can create courage based on what I armor myself with. And so the second thing the African leader must have, apart from this deep sense of vision, is the mentality of heaven, the mind of God. It's with the mind we serve God. Uh, we have the mind of Christ, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself to the point of death, uh, even to the point of obedience to death, um, wherefore God is highly exalted. So the mind, the mind, the African mind must take on the mind of God, which is what you do so excellently across the Western world. And thirdly, we must have the courage to do what God puts in our mind to do. And those are the three things I'd love to pray about. Yeah, well, let's do
0: it. Go ahead and pray.
1: Our Father, we honor your presence on the planet. And we thank you that since the outpouring on the day of Pentecost, nearly 2,000 years ago, you are embedded in the hearts of so many people who see Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as you raise more of these men and women up across the planet, We ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our God, that you will grant your people vision. We understand, Father, that the real sign of the Holy Spirit is not merely just speaking in tongues, but is that you would pour out your spirit in these last days and give young men and young women vision and the ability to prophesy their vision so that what they see can become their contextual reality. So we ask for vision Vision of the future that you have for the church, the vision of the future that you have for the church to implement wherever she is on this planet, particularly this this morning in Africa. We also pray that you will open and expand our minds to see beyond the mediocre, to see beyond the normal, to see beyond the average and to, to earnestly believe that heaven can come to earth in principles, in inspiration and imagination uh, Till we also build nations to whom you are builder maker and designer We yes. ask that father you would give give your leadership systems in the world the mentality of heaven the mind of Christ and cause us to be properly aware of, of the mind and how powerful it is and what the mind can do on earth if we allow you to harness it for your purposes and then Finally, our Father, we ask that for the leader in Africa, you would do such a work of building the servant's heart, that we won't see ourselves as coming to rule, but as coming to serve, to serve the neediest, the most helpless, uh, those who the world has trashed, recognizing that you put this great treasure in trashed vessels. Mm and that out of the dust heaps and the quagmire, you'll raise a people unto yourself that will prove that with you, King Jesus, everything is possible, and that you can make out of weak, broken people, great nations, and that you can take battered, broken and busted people and make great leaders, and that you can take beggarly nations, and make them productive nations. You've done it with the West, now do it with the Global South and the Global East. And let this planet become one amazing family that includes Christians as the light to the world and the salt of the earth. Thank you, our Father, that before we call you here, whilst we yet speak, you have answered. In Jesus' name, and amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for being with us. And uh, thank you for watching us today on the Empowered 21 Leadership Podcast. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned and join us for our next episode. God bless you.